This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Zechariah, chapter 10. Where's that? Well, if you go backwards in the Old Testament, it's Malachi and then Zechariah. Zechariah 10. I want to give you some thoughts this morning. Now, last week we talked about vision, the heartbeat of the church. I, I believe this, guys, and one of the reasons I'm speaking on this is I believe every one of us need to understand our place within the church. Now, you've heard me say this. The greatest growth in my life as a Christian was when I began to give, when I began to pray, and I began to serve. I saw great transformation in my own life. So the next few weeks, this is what we're going to talk about. And so the beginning point for every one of us in this room is salvation, okay? God wants to see everybody in here saved, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is. But that's not it. God wants you set free. God wants you healed. God wants you restored. You know why He wants all of that? So you ultimately become disciples of Christ yourself. Where you are part of advancing and multiplying the kingdom of God right here on earth. Okay, And so giving, praying, and serving lead us into that area. And so when you look at Father God, the subject of the Bible is God and the Lord and Savior Jesus. The adjective of the Bible is give, okay? That's the verb of the Bible, more or less, not the adjective, but the verb. When you think about that, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What did Jesus do? He gave His life for me and you, and what does He ask us to do? To give our heart or our our lives to Him. So let's set the table just a little bit here. Zechariah chapter 10, verse number 1. Ask the Lord for for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now that phrase there, the latter rain, is is used eight different times in the Bible. When you look at rain and the latter rain, we can talk about a physical rain or we can even talk about a spiritual rain. What happens when it rains in the natural, guys? Man, it brings life to everything. You just take West Texas right now. If we would get a good rain, everything would come to life. My poor yard would come to life just with the rain overnight. So what happens when God rains on us spiritually? Mercy and grace and peace and faith. And everything comes to life. Now the key right here is the start of that verse. He said, ask the Lord for rain. It's not wrong to ask God for rain. I think He ultimately eats it up. Too many times we just merely assume it. So the first thing is, we need to begin to ask God for rain. Not just physically, but spiritually. More of God. Keep reading here with me. The Lord will make flashing clouds, and He will give them showers of rain. Who will He give showers of rain? The ones who ask Him. I believe He's looking for people that just start saying, Thank you, Father God, for rain. Now look how it ultimately ends here in verse 10. That it will bring grass in the field for everyone. The message says every field will have lush pasture. So when it rains in the natural, it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. When it rains in the spirit realm, I believe God wants to rain on every person. So let's just get busy in praying. And let's get busy asking God to not only rain on us in the natural Rain on us spiritually. My life needs it. 
Our homes need it. Our marriage needs it. And our city needs it. Our nation needs it, okay? So I encourage let's begin to pray. Let's just begin to put our faith out there. Now, go with me the book of 1 John. Way, way, way back the other side of the Bible, right there before Revelations. 1 John chapter 3. Now, we're going to talk today about giving. Now, this is in no form to condemn anyone. This is just to show us, guys, God expects me and you to learn to give. Open up our hearts to give in every area of our life. 1 John 3, verse 16. By this we know love. By what? Look what it says. Because He laid down His life for us. So He gives us an insight here. Real love is what? It's action. He gave His life for us. Now look what it says. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We should have compassion on the brethren. So right here, the key is for me and you to love. And how do I love? I give. So how would I lay down my life for the brethren? Well, there's a lot of different ways I can. Whether it's my time, whether it's my resources, whether it's my money. But he says right here, we are instructed just as Jesus laid down his life for us, we're to lay down our life for the brethren. Verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods or this world's resources and sees his brother in needs, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So he gives me a little insight here that each one of us, we have the ability to open our heart or to close our heart. Every one of us in this room have this. Now this doesn't mean that we're to help or to fund everyone and everything we see. That's not what this means. This means, however, that when God deals with your heart to help someone, I obey that. I obey when He puts on my heart to do something to help someone. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever shut your heart to some person? Every one of us in here have. When we've got wounded or we've got hurt before, we shut our heart to them. And it's like we create an imaginary wall around us. And you know what we say? I'm not going to let them in there. I'm not going to let them hurt me. If we're not careful, we do the very same thing to Father God. That we harden our heart and we say, you know what, Father God? I'm not going to allow you in. And so you know what that means? We stiff arm him. We keep him away. The first point today I want to make is this. Open your heart. Open my heart back to God. And let me ask you a couple questions here. How generous are you with your money? How generous are you with your resources? How generous are you with your time? See, those are the questions that every one of us must ask. But I've got to come back and I've got to ask God to open my heart. And maybe your heart's shut right now. Maybe your heart isn't open like it used to be. This becomes, open my heart back up, Father God, to what you want. Now I want you to go to the other side of the Old Testament again to Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15, and as you're turning to Deuteronomy 15, I'm going to quote a couple verses here that I want you to see. You're turning to Deuteronomy 15. In Proverbs 28, verse number 14, 
It says, he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. He who hardens his heart. Now, when it tells me right there, he who hardens his heart, you know what? That's a choice of mine to harden my heart. That's a choice of yours to harden your heart. Listen to what that says in the message translation. It says, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. A hard-hearted person lives a hard life. The New Living Translation says, the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. So the New Living, for hard-hearted, it uses the word stubborn. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? But how many have you ever been stubborn in your life? Where, man, you just lock down and say, huh, I'm not doing it. This may be an easier question. How many of you know someone that's stubborn? And some of you say, well, they're sitting right next to me. Don't elbow them or that. See, even in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, it says stubbornness is like idolatry. What is an idol? Anything that we put above God. So when we become stubborn, you know what we are? We're the idol. We've become the idol. And you know what we're saying basically to God? God, I put what I want above what you want. And this is where we get hard-hearted and we grab us. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to give that. How many of you have ever had a stubborn child or a strong-willed child? You know, sometimes when you have a strong-willed child, you know what you got to do? Just because you love them so much, you just hold them down and say, I love you so much, I don't want you to make a mistake. But how many of us have ever thought that even a loving God loves us so much that He will hold you down to try to get you to surrender to His will? Where you start saying, man, i got to live for God. i got to serve God. First point, open my heart. I want to open my heart back up. I don't want to live stingy. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not, number one, harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Now, maybe before you were born again, you were so hard-hearted and your hand was so tight with everything you had that nobody could pry it open. I believe once we get born again, we've got to start taking on the characteristics of Father God and Lord Jesus. Once again, the verb was give. I got to get over and start learning to obey what he said. Now, in this verse, verse here, in verse seven, we just read, he he deals with three different types. Number one, he said, "Don't be hard-hearted or shut your hand to the poor, the destitute, uh, destitute." Okay. Number two, he deals with our brethren. That could be people in the church. One Jewish translation says that's your immediate family. I'm to be good to them. The last one, he said, even the gates of your land. That references within our city. So I can't shut my hand and my heart to to the poor. I can't shut it to people in my own family or even people within our city. 
See, we make a difference. Now listen what he says here in verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need whatever he needs. Now if you'll note some of the words he says there, you shall. And then he gets over and says, willingly. I can't be a remorseful giver. And I just got to willingly have the heart say, okay, Father God, I want to make a difference in people's lives. Verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying. Now right here he's telling us, don't listen to that selfish voice. Because you know what your selfish voice will say? Don't do it. Don't do it. Keep it. It's yours. So he says here, reading verse 9 again, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release. Now you may say, what is that about? In Jewish customs, every seventh year, whatever debt people had, they released it. They forgave it. So let's just say here that I don't know Adam. Adam owes me. Adam owes me a hundred bucks, which he does. He didn't know that, but he does. And it's the seventh year, and you know what this means? That whatever is owed, you just forgive it. You just release it. Now, if you're the one that owes, that's awesome. Woohoo! Yes, we have to implement that again. But if you're the one that's being owed, now that's a different story. So this is what it's getting to. So he says here. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year releases hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. So you know it's the seventh year. And instead of me stepping out and giving, I get the thought of, If I give, I may not ever get it back. And so the thought of fear comes, and you know what fear says? We may not have enough. And that's one of usually the two areas that come after us in giving. We don't give because of a motive of fear. We're not going to have enough. Or the second area is an area of pride. And pride looks this way, that every one of us that go to work, if you work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, that work time is for a paycheck. When you get that paycheck, that paycheck represents your life. So you know what we're actually doing? We're giving away part of our life. And so it either looks this way where you say, you know what, I'm not going to have enough. Or pride jumps in the way and pride says, wait a minute. I worked hard for that money. It's mine. It's mine. I'm not going to give that to anybody. See, it's very easy to get caught in either one of those traps. But keep reading here in verse 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved. Notice the next word, when. Not if, but when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord God will bless you in all your works, and in all to which you put your hand to. I thought there would be a bunch of amens right there. Do we believe that? Do we believe what he said right there? That God will bless you in all your works and all that you put your hand to. 
See, a lot of times we know the Scriptures and we like to say them and thank them. But do we really believe God will do that? Because if we really believe that God will do that, it's not if we give, it's when we give. And so when I give, guys, like He's asking me to, you know what you and my faith should be? God's going to bless all my works. And everything this little hand puts itself to do is going to prosper. I don't care what it is, but it comes back to me obeying what He said. When I do what He's asked me to do, He's going to bless me. He's going to bless you. He wants to. You know why He wants to bless you? Because in Genesis 12, remember the covenant with Abraham? He said, I've blessed you to be a blessing. I didn't bless you so you can retire. And I'm not against retirement, okay? I've blessed you not so you can hoard it. I've blessed you not so you can tell everybody, look what I got. No, I've blessed you to be a blessing. You know what that means? You are like Walmart. You are a distribution center. That as long as you have the heart of God and He blesses you, you keep blessing others, God's going to bless you. Now, a lot of times in our life, once God starts blessing us, sometimes we get to the point where, where we give grudgingly and we say, you know what, Father God? I really don't like to give that anymore. And you know what God says? Well, you don't have to give anymore. But I'll go ahead and take my blessing and I'll give it to somebody who does like to give. And you know what ultimately happens? We change our heart real quick and you say, you know what, Father God, I'll give. I'll go ahead and give. I kind of like that. Look at verse 11. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, listen to this. I command you. I didn't ask. I command you. Saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, and your needy in your land. So number one, I've got to open my heart. Number two, I've got to open my hand. I've got to open my hand. And when I begin to do this, you know what God will do for you? I'm glad you asked. Go to Malachi 3. Look at Malachi chapter 3, and I want you to see this today. That God's got plans for every one of us, but I play a big part in this. Now, in the book of Malachi, I encourage you to read it. This, this is an interesting four chapters of the Bible to me. He starts in chapter 1 and he gets after the priest because they haven't given him their best. In Malachi 2, he gets over into divorce and he says, I hate divorce. Now, understand this, God doesn't hate divorcees, he hates divorce, okay? In chapter 3, where we're going to read, he talks about giving. And then in chapter 4, he talks about how the hearts of the fathers will return to the children and the hearts of the children return to the father. I encourage you to read this book, the whole thing. It'll bless you. Now, we're in, we're in Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to quote just a couple things that he said in verse 6 and verse 7, and then we're going to start in verse 8. Verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. I'm the Lord, and I do not change. I want you to hold that thought, okay? Understand, God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't change His word. In verse 7, He said to the people, He said, Return to Me, and I will return to you. And He ultimately, they said, In what way shall we return to you? Look at verse 8. 
Will a man rob God? The New Living Translation says this. It uses the word cheat. Instead of rob, it uses cheat. So will a man cheat God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed or stolen or cheated from you? And he said in tithes and in offerings. Now there's a difference between a tithe and there's a difference between an offering, okay? That's why they're set. They're not the same thing. So we'll get into a little bit of that today and then again next week. But we've got to understand some things here. He said to these people, you have robbed me or you've cheated me in your tithes and your offerings. Now, I want to make this very clear to you today. You can keep 100% of your money, okay? You don't have to give God a dime. You don't have to. But understand this, that when you do this, not in my eyes, but in God's eyes, you're a thief. You're a cheater. You're a robber. Now, I'm going to be truthful to you today. For the first 24 years of my life, I was a thief. I was a robber. I cheated God. Part of it was, I didn't know any better for the first 20 years. The next four years, I started seeing what the Bible says about giving, and I still chose not to do it. And after those four years, you know what I came to the conclusion? I've tried to do everything in my own abilities and talents, and I see where I've gotten. So maybe I ought to do it God's way and watch what God will do. Now, I can stand before you now, For the next 29 years of my life, I've tithed and I've honored God. The reason I'm telling you that is, I won't preach on something that I don't do. Okay? I've done this, and I'm telling you guys, I will do this till the day I die. Because I've seen the blessing. Now look what goes on to say here in verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. Now God didn't say He cursed you. It is a self-imposed or self-inflicted curse. Why? When you withhold your tithes and offerings, that's what happens. None of us in this room are exempt from that. Keep reading. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. You know why it says bring all the tithe? It doesn't say give the tithe, does it? The reason it says bring the tithe is because that tithe isn't yours. You can only give away what's yours. God is very clear that 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 tithe is His. Now let's let's define again what the tithe is. It's 10%, okay? A minimum of 10%. If you go back into the New Testament, it says we ought to do even more than that, but it's a minimum of 10%. So let's be biblical here. Let the B-I-B-L-E teach us today. Bring all the tithe, all the 10% into the storehouse. Why? That there may be resources or food in my house. So when you look at the tithe, the 10%, it is to go to the church, okay? For several years in my life... I would take the 10% and I thought with my tithe, I can do whatever I want with it. You can't. So if I took my tithe and said to Pastor Jimmy, I want to bless you, you know what? I haven't given the tithe where God designated it for to go. I want you to read it. God said this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. There may be food or resources in my house, okay? A-L-L all. I don't want to hurt your feelings here, guys, but I'm going to to be biblical and teach you the truth today. 
If you come up to me and say, Pastor, we are now tithing 5%. We are now tithing 7%. You know what I'd tell you? No, you're not. No, you're not. What did he say? Bring all 10% to the storehouse, okay? And you're saying, well, I know how you pastors are. Be biblical, okay, guys? Understand what God's saying here in the Scriptures. So if you're not giving the 10%, what do I got to do? Well, you got to make some adjustments in your life. And when you begin to read the Scriptures and you find out that tithing is a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to me. How do I make adjustments? Well, I had to do this in my life. And many, many people that are sitting around you that are honoring God had to do that. You know what the adjustments were? They were called restraints. And because the tithe began to be a big deal with me, and I said, you know what? The first thing we're going to do is honor God. Where's that, Pastor? That's Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. So you know what that means? I'm to honor God before I do anything else. I'm to honor God before I pay my car payment. I'm to honor God before I go buy groceries. And a lot of you will say, well, what happens if I have more month than money? That's where I make adjustments. You know what the adjustment was? Now, this is going to hurt some of you. We quit eating out as much as we used to. I remember there are times I told my kids, we're not going to eat out. You know why? Because to honor God with my tithe was a big deal. And you know what else we had to do? We had to cut back on our entertainment. Oh, God, that hurt. Whether that was going to the movie, whether that was playing golf, whether that was going to get your nails done. Oh, that one really hurt. I could tell. <laughs> whether that was going to tan. See, I begin to look and I'm intent, guys. God begin to deal with our heart. And I'll tell you, it wasn't easy, but I begin to read and I begin to look and I said, if this is that big of a deal to God, it better start being a big deal to me. Now, let me help you a little bit more about some restraints. I used to call Starbucks four bucks, but it's really five bucks now. now you go to Starbucks, it's five bucks, man. Time tax and everything on there. And when you go there, you might as well get the big one or you're getting ripped off, okay? That's my idea. Just get the big one. And so let's just say you go to Starbucks on your way to work every day. Now, I've calculated all this. So after a week, you're in roughly to $32. After a month, you're into $125. After a year, you have now tithed to Starbucks $1,500. That's just you. And if you take your spouse with you, now you've invested $3,000 into Starbucks. And so what you've ultimately said is, I would rather honor them than rather honor God. Now, years ago, there was a guy that worked with me at the utility company I worked with. He started attending the church I went to in Clovis. He comes marching in one Monday morning, and he, he's a big guy, big guy, tough too, man. He's one of those ones you didn't want to fight unless you had a bat. And he popped that table and he looked at me and he said, hey, do you do that tithing stuff? And I said, I do it. And he looked at me and he said, that's a big car payment. And I said, you're right. And he said, why do you do that? And I said, 
Because I want to live under the blessing instead of the curse. And he looked at me. So let me tell you something. Is it going to cost you something? Absolutely. Is it easy? Not all the time. But I'm not sitting up here trying to hoodwink you or to sell you something. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. I want to show you a video. Guys, would you go and cue that video and show this one right here? This will help you. We have been attending Faith Christian Family Church for about 11 years now. I was raised on a dairy farm, and, you know, we, we planted our own crops, and I knew that if you sowed corn, you were going to get corn, you know. So, first of all, you find a good place to sow your seed, and then you sow the seed there. And I knew that I know God is faithful, and He will return, um, just like His Word says. I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents fully believed in tithing, and um, it was just natural for me to see that and see the heart of them, you know, as they had read the Word and they understood the benefits of tithing, to know that um, not only would our needs be met, but I believe that when you are obedient to what God has required of you by giving tithe, that you're covered in other areas as well as your finances. I believe that you are covered from uh, just anything that the enemy would try to throw your way because you, you have been obedient to what God has called you to do. So we've tried to pass that on down to our kids as well. I think there's times in life when people go through different challenges and you know things come up in life that you just didn't expect. And there's time. You, everybody has opportunities. I think at some point in their life to go. Boy, we could do something different with this money. But I remember specifically one time when we started attending this church, um, made a career change as far as who I was working for. We decided to be independent in our financial planning practice. And we literally were starting all over again. And we had very, very little money left. And I visited with Pastor Stormy and he said, and I said, I would like to give what we have left as to sow that seed because we can either eat the seed or we can sow the seed. And I was raised on a farm, and I knew that sowing the seed is the best alternative. And so we did sow that seed, and the next week we had a big um, case that came through for us. And so and we never looked back. But, I mean, it was that was a test for us, I think. We had an opportunity to say, let's do something else with this money, but we decided to sow that money, and then we've never looked back. Uh, uh, we believe in the ministries. Um, at Faith Christian Family Church, and that's why we have cho chosen to sow our seed into this ground because it is good ground. There's good fruit. The Bible says you'll you'll know you'll know a tree by its fruit, and Faith Christian Family Church has shown to have good fruit. Um, when we started com coming to the church, it was about 100 people, and now there's probably over 700 that come every week, and so we know the fruit is here. I witnessed all that, guys. I, I could I could go back to the day I met with Mark Groom. I can tell you exactly where it was, approximately what time of day it was. And he said, Pastor, I'm going to give everything I have except $3 because he said, I don't want him to close my account. And so I said, okay. And I saw his faith. And guys, what, what the point in that is right there is, is many of you know where Mark and Penny are at now. But it comes from having the heart to sow and to give. Now, when I open my heart and I open my hand, look what happens in this in verse 10. And he says, try me now in this. You know what? I, my paraphrased edition of that is, 
I double dog dare you. That's what God's saying. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Did you get this, guys? Now, I only do this when I believe God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And when I believe that, God, God will begin to bless your life incredibly. But i got a part to play. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing here. You can keep 100% of your money if you want to. You can do that. But if you do, don't expect God to bless you, okay? And I don't want to hurt your feelings saying that, but understand this. God is not a counterfeiter. God will do exactly what He says He'll do. Is it going to be a step of faith? Huge. Maybe the greatest step of faith you'll have in your life is in the area of finances. When you begin to give. Now, there's a minister named Jack Hayford. Jack is now in his 80s. A man of God. Just recently, I read a, a, a tremendous article on him that the age of four, four years old, his father sat him down and said, Jack, I'm going to teach you how to be responsible in life and with your money. Now get this, he's four years old. His dad said, you're going to start doing chores around the house. You know why? Because you live here. Now I'm going to tell you some of you parents, it's not child abuse for your children to help around the house, okay? They need to learn a work ethic, okay? They need to learn to do things around the house. Some of you kids are saying, shut up, Pastor. Actually, I'm going to get on a little. No, that's enough. But they need to be taught. So Jack Hayford's daddy said to him, he said, Jack, I want you to learn to have a work ethic. Now, if you do everything I've asked you to do throughout the week, every weekend, I'm going to give you an allowance and I'm going to give you a dime. Some of you say a dime. Eighty years ago, dime was a big deal. It's a big deal. So Jack's daddy pours out on the kitchen table a nickel and five pennies. He said, Jack, when you work hard and you get paid, for every dime that you make, one penny goes to Jesus, to the church. So he said, Jack, let's just assume this week you do everything that I ask you to. And he put the nickel and the five penny down, and he said, so what are you going to do? And he said, Daddy, I'm going to take this, this one penny to church, and I'm going to give it to Jesus. So he said, okay, Jack, let's just assume next week and the week after you do the same thing. And he put the money down there again. You know what Jack Hayford said? I'm now in my 80s. And my entire life from the age of four, I've tithed off of every dime. Still to this day, out of every dime, a penny goes to God, no matter how you look at it. Now, he told story after story in there about how God would open the windows of heaven and bless him. And he said, we just kept honoring him and we kept honoring him. And you know what my thought was? I encourage you to start teaching your little blessings at this age. You know why? Because when they get this age, they won't have a problem with giving. 
They've understood it their whole life. And I know there's some of you in the room, like Penny Groom said, she was raised to honor God at an early age. What a heritage! But not only that, for us to teach our kids. So, in, in between services, I was, I was talking to Ty Bear, the, the lady who plays the, the violin. She's got little kids, and she said, Pastor, we're teaching them to tithe. We're teaching them to give. And she said a few weeks ago after the, the service, we were hungry, and she said, I didn't feel like cooking. So she said, let's all go to Rose's and eat. She said, we're on our way to Rose's, and there's a homeless man standing out there. And you know, a lot of times when you see the homeless men standing on the corner, you know what's the easiest thing to do? Don't make eye contact with them. Because if I don't make eye contact with them, I don't have to give them nothing. Sounds like you've done that, Pastor. I have. And I'm telling you, God wears me out. I pull up down here to this corner about every week, and that guy's out there selling newspaper, and it's like a magnet. My wallet just opens, and I say, listen, buddy, I don't want a newspaper. I just want to bless you. Just want to bless you. So they pull up. The homeless guy's there, and her daughter said, Mommy, let's not go to Rose's and eat. Let's give that homeless man all our money and we can go back home and eat. And she said, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to cook. And she said, my children had been saving their allowances. And they said, Mommy, not only do we want to give him the the money for our lunch today, we want to bless him with our money. And I thought, man, you can't teach that enough. I said, those kids will walk in blessings all their life. Thank you. (laughs) What am I telling us today, guys? You open your heart. Open your hand. And God will open heaven. And listen, guys, don't sit here and say, well, in a few months we'll do it. You'll never do it. Step out in faith. Now, I want you to stand up with me to here today. And I believe God's going to speak to our hearts. To open back up your heart. To open back up your hand. And once again, guys, I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm not telling you at all this is easy. But something begins to happen. You know, in my life, and I'm not bragging on me because God's moved in my life, but I've given away two and a half cars. And you say, how have you given away two and a half? Well, one of them was just, it was... It was a blessing to me. It cost me $300 to buy it. Most people didn't ever want to be seen in it. It was red, but it was a faded red. It looked kind of like UT burnt orange. It had a hole in the floorboard. You could see the pavement. Any key would start it. I just leave the keys in. If I ever lost my key, the house key would start it. It didn't matter. So my thought is, I never locked it. If somebody wants us to steal it, go ahead. I don't care. So the reason I said it's a half, I gave it away. I gave it away to Pastor Troy in Roswell. And he drove it for a while, and finally he said, I got a different vehicle. You can have it back. So I gave it away again, gave it away again. But a while back, God moved on my heart one day, and it's, it's the bacon son. And I was, I was so honored in this. Ben was in high school and he walked by me and he said, Pastor, if you're ever going to sell your pickup, I'd like to buy it. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not selling my pickup. 
And I went home that day. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, you're right. You won't ever sell it. You'll give it to him. I said, Lord, I'm not giving him that truck. I like it. That's my truck. And so God kept dealing with my heart, and, and I made a huge mistake. I, I, I told Holy Spirit Junior Shelley what God was doing. And she said immediately, you're supposed to give it to him. And I said, well, I, I'm going to give it to him, but I'm going to give it to him after God blesses me in this area. And God spoke to my heart and said, now, wait a minute, buddy, you got it all backwards. You give it and then I'll bless you. I don't bless you and then you give it. There's no faith in that. And so I told Shelly, I went home after Tuesday night prayer one night and I said, I'm supposed to give that to him. You know what she said? Let's clean it up and take it to him right now. And I thought, oh, crud. Not right now. And so God began to deal with my heart. And we went over there, guys, and there was such a joy. Such a joy. And, and the Bacons thought it was a joy for them. It wasn't nearly the joy it was for me. And I can say that, guys, because I can tell when God works in my heart that I open up my hand. Where, you know what? There's a lot of vehicles God can bless you with. You give certain things away, God will still bless you. How many of you have ever had a bottled cologne and you would just barely spray a little bit on you because you thought, I don't ever want it to end. I want to have it forever. You know what God said to me one day? I have a lot more bottles of cologne. So I'd spray my son and I'd spray me and all over. But it comes to this. I can't be hard-hearted. I want us to bow our head right now. And just let God deal with your heart. And, and, and maybe you need to come down to the altar. And I'm not, I'm not speaking condemnation. But to say, Father God, I want to open my heart again. I want to open my heart. And then maybe it may be even saying, Lord, I want to open my hand. And Father God, I know what you'll do. And all I'm saying again is for me and you to, to learn to be sensitive when Father God moves in your heart. Where you say, okay, Lord. And it may be your time where you say, man, I don't have to. Now, you can make time. We have time for what you want to have time. And maybe it's just giving a pair of shoes away. And you may say, well, I just bought them. Well, God can give you more. Just judge your heart right now. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need a fresh anointing. Let me pray a blessing over all of us right now. Father God, we just pray today that our hearts open back up, Lord. And that your very nature of giving comes back on the inside of us today. And Father God, teach us to open up our hand when you move on our heart. Do you know that delayed obedience is still disobedience? This may help some of you right here about opening your hand. When God asks you to give and open your hand, and you don't for a few days like I've done before, 
God says exactly the way you sow it, you'll reap it. And at times in your life when you've prayed and you've needed a blessing and you said, Father God, what's up? A lot of times if you go back and look at life, it's because that's the way you gave. Open our hands, Father God. Open our hands today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.